0: Hey guys, um, welcome back for another episode of Life After Sport and this one is just quite simply, I'm going to say it black and white, this one's going to blow your fucking brains. Um, I have an incredible guest on right now and I'm very, very grateful that I can also say he's a great friend of mine and it's Chris Lowe of Chris Lowe Nutrition. So before I actually hand the mic over to him, um, just going to say a couple of words about him very, very quickly is that over the past two and a half years or so that myself and Chris have been friends, I have been uh, an athlete, client of Chris's, and I've also joined his highly intelligent coaching program as well. And our highly informed coach, sorry, dude, he, he had to change the name of that, but we won't talk about that today. Um, so I have been a client of both sides, and I would just like to stand and vouch for him to say the amount of knowledge is absolutely sensational. So without further ado, I will pass the mic over immediately and just say, first of all, Chris, thank you so much. And can you very kindly run with an intro of who are you and what do you do?
1: Uh, no, thank you, Kieran. Uh, Absolute pleasure to be on board today. Uh, and thank you for the mini, mini intro there. Um, so, yeah, like you said, my name is Chris Lowe from Chris Lowe Nutrition. And essentially, I do two things, and Kieran has know, experience, both of them <laughs> from a nutrition perspective. Um, so I coach one-to-one, I uh, will face-to-face with athletes, and I also work with strength and conditioning coaches as a mentor and educator so they can essentially get better and more impactful coaching with their clients. So ultimately, my end goal is to make sure athletes can perform at their best when it matters the most so I can do that directly through one-to-one coaching or indirectly by educating SSE coaches. And then alongside my online work, I'm also the uh, Head of Performance Nutrition at Wasp Rugby. So I look at the nutrition provision and support and education from the junior academy through to the senior all the way up to the first 15. And I've been doing that for the last two years. Uh, Before that, I was with Hull KR, which is a super league rugby league team based in Hull. Um, And prior to that, I was uh, sort of doing best with British Raillifting. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a brief uh, introduction into myself.
0: Nice. I absolutely love that. And just uh, just so everybody knows, he does not have a scroll that he's reading all of his accreditations off of. Um, Chris, I, I love and appreciate how you're just able to say so confidently and swiftly like who you are, what you do, and you can just rattle off the high level of experience with that as well. Um, safe to say there's going to be a lot of gems and nuggets taken away from this. And one thing that I love the most about having any normal conversation with yourself is the fact that you can go down those rabbit holes with regards to, I suppose, the extreme physiology, uh, shall we say. But also what I love the most is that you're able to just make a borderline like bro relatable. So with that being said, a lot of people that are going to be listening to this, they would have played sport at a high level or at least taken it very seriously and sport is a massive part of their identity. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I'm not playing sport anymore. Don't really know what to do. And nutrition, quite simply, is the exact same as what it may have been for the playing years, which was training Tuesday, Thursday, game Saturday, beers on Saturday night with the boys, maybe hangover Sunday. And then just it revolves around every single week of the whole year. But the biggest thing that a lot of people are struggling with now is that they're not as active. They don't have goals. They don't have motivation. So therefore, their nutrition strategies are pretty shit, to say the least. So with that, uh, this is going to be a little bit of an open-ended question now. uh, But what is the fastest and most efficient method or methods, plural, of getting back into shape and cleaning up your diet after sports? So uh, just to give people a little bit more uh, context here. So the pitfalls, the old mentality of just consuming food, uh, to fuel the sport demands and uh, the whole quote unquote recovery of sure fuck it I'll have a few beers on Saturday after the game with the boys like what would you say is the fastest and most efficient methods of just getting back into essentially the athletic shape
1: yeah great question so whenever we think of say body composition um, we always look at three main areas so it's going to be your calorie intake versus the calories you expend via training the calories you expend via day-to-day life like your physical activity level so this is everything you do outside of sport um so as you mentioned when they sort of finish sport or life after sport um they become far more sedentary they burn in less calories so therefore their overall calorie so one of those three um parts there decreases quite massively and if they do come from a rugby background we know that there's extra things that would be like increased energy expenditure, such as the recovery demands from um, collisions, for example. So all those things um, are going to basically not, not present at the moment. So they have to overall just reduce the calorie intake and therefore revisit their portion sizes. Um, because if they keep on eating the same amounts as they would uh, when they were very active, you know, body weight is just going to go through the roof and the body fat's going to go up and all the things that kind of, associated with that and perhaps the kind of rabbit hole they go down there um, so the most important thing is just reevaluating their portion sizes and their overall structure i think the structure side of it is quite an interesting one because like you said they have training on a tuesday uh training on a thursday game saturday out on the beers all that kind of stuff they have their like set routine that they're very used to And when they come out of that sport, um, they have no schedule, they have no structural routine. It's very similar to most athletes now in the COVID or pandemic with lockdown. They used to lose a structure and all of a sudden they got zero structure. And we find that once your structure and your routine is out of whack, so does your eating. You almost find like your training and eating go hand in hand. For example, you'd always have, say, a pre-training meal, a post-training meal, all that kind of stuff. And training almost centers your nutrition and your eating habits. So that'd be one of the first things I look at. Um, Obviously, like you look at the training side of it and then um, just make sure they've got good structure throughout the day. So it's nothing sort of crazy. It's just looking at their whole structure and their routine and making sure their portion sizes are correct at that moment in time. And then you probably need to do a little bit of a needs analysis to see where they're actually at um so yeah, i'm as like a little bit of a skill continuum should we say um so you got a novice of uh, nutrition should we say one side and then like the expert pro nutrition on the other and it's kind of seeing like right where are they on that scale and uh what do they need help with from nutrition education perspective and from a planning perspective you can almost think of it like right are we just um perhaps making sure that this athlete here doesn't fuck up or are we thinking of, like, this athlete here need to be chasing optimal? So, you know, again, some needs analysis, like, where do they lie on that continuum? Um, and again, like, it depended on, you know, are they close to their events or are they just transitioning out of the life of sport? So that would be a very big one. they like, you don't, if they say, for example, uh, I don't know, retired from the sport a few months ago and it kind of in this transition period, um, you're not going to go and look at, it, right? This week, we're going to look at carb agri-periodization. We're going to look at X, Y, Z supplements. We're going to look at meal timing. We're going to look at uh, how many grams per gram of my carbs we're going to have through our endurance exercise. It's be like, okay, how can you not fuck up this week? Can you eat your vegetables? Can you have protein with every meal? Can you sleep eight hours? Just getting good structure and routine back. So again, as cliche as it sounds, we're trying to you know walk before we can run. Um, so that'd be one thing, one key rule is, um, start small add layers build momentum don't jump in a deep end because you probably will get overwhelmed and your diet will essentially fail and then if the diet fails you feel like a failure fuck your mentality and it's like a vicious cycle and you know you just end up in a worse position so i think that'd be probably the most important thing like i mentioned just start simple add layers and over time it might take you know weeks to weeks or months it could take years but the idea is to start small and then just add in layers over time and you know try and get some form of like support to do it as well because again you if you come from a team environment we've had coaches which have like coached you what to do you've had the uh peer accountability as well from like your teammates and everything you know that just drives action and results uh, if you try to do it on your own then you know as soon as things get hard um, and perhaps if you, you don't quite know like your why should we say then you know you're just going to fall off the wagon pretty quickly and you know one of the main things that drives results is you know it is social support it is accountability those kind of things that you know really just complement a plan of action it isn't just like right eats x, x amount of calories protein fats carbohydrates is all other stuff that affect that like if we think of Fat loss, for example, the principles are extremely simple consume fewer calories than you expend. But there's all the social and behavioral factors that come into that. You know, you now you've got a bit more freedom with your life, you've got social on the weekend, um, you've got reduced activity, you're probably more sedentary in work, you've got the stress of life. Perhaps, if, as you know, say for example, you're coming into your 30s, for example, you may be looking at say, starting a family, got all the stresses there, less sleep. There's so many things that can affect you from sticking to a calorie-restricted state or managing your portion size correctly. So I'd also like definitely review the behavioral side of things. That's going to help you adhere to the principles for sure.
0: I absolutely love that. And just like I said at the start, you, you have this incredible ability to be able to go down that rabbit hole, but you, it's not always necessary. Just like what you said, that of the biggest pitfalls, Like for somebody that's trying to get back into shape, it's just kind of recognizing in some cases that you don't have that social support. You don't have that that brotherhood, that camaraderie, the team around you that will provide a massive amount of support to keep you on track. But right now it's, it's a case of like just finding out where are you? What do you want to achieve? What is the most actionable thing that you can do right now to go in the right direction? And I think one of the biggest things as well, and I can most definitely vouch for this, is, is having that push, that guidance, that borderline mentorship, I'd nearly call it, of just saying, right, okay, this is where we are. This is what we need to do. But we're going to take one step at a time. Um, I'm actually listening to Atomic Habits at the moment. I think I've told you about this.
1: Yeah, I'm it, reading it. Amazing.
0: It's incredible. But one of the biggest things that he was saying um, in the book, I think I'm on chapter 14 or something now. I'm listening to the audio book. He was saying, why so many people fail is because they just try and rack up like 100 different tasks to do in order to get the desired goal, whatever it may be. Whereas what you're saying is a very similar approach, which is start small, just one small thing. And that habit will build like compound interest if you just keep doing it. So just like you're saying, recognize your current physical activity level. There's a pretty good chance that you're not burning as many calories now since your sporting career is finished. So we just need to kind of take a step back and find out where we are and then build on top of that. So I absolutely love that. Just stop, put the brakes on, where are we right now? And then start to build. Like Again, this is just one of the biggest things and the fastest ways to get somebody to recognize where they are versus where they want to go. But the first thing is like, be in that step, uh, be in that turning stone that's actually starting the whole uh, process. Um, dude, I, I love that so, so much, but this is, this is the worst part about me being the host, is that I could very easily just talk for hours and hours about this, and I love hearing it. But um, just with regards to, very quickly, like consuming food that we would have consumed during our sporting career, so I, I think there's a lot of people that would have been able to just have the, the quote-unquote fuck it mentality, and they would have been able to get away with it for so long. So I'm training on a Tuesday night, and I'm going to have takeaway. And then I'll get whatever pizza on a Wednesday night. Sure, it's grand. I'm only doing weights. I, and then, again, whatever, the same thing Thursday, Friday, game, Saturday. And talking about, you know, the likes of um, carb loading or nitrate loading, any of that, It quite literally, these players are just going to ignore it. I, but they'll get away with it for so long. What would you say to them now, since their physical activity level has come down massively? However, they're still consuming the same stuff that they have been. Like, their love handles are getting bigger. They're not motivated about training and they're just looking for that endorphin hit off of the food. But they do realize that when they're looking at themselves in the mirror, they're like, oh shit, I need to get back on track. What would you say to them to just, to, to, uh, I suppose, be the catalyst in the whole thing, to just steamroll, like, back into some bit of decent shape, just with regards to their performance or just with regards to their nutrition, since they don't have the performance anymore?
1: I guess in terms of how to perhaps fix a broken diet, should we say then? Yes. Um, you know, like just by fixing up sort of food quality, you naturally fix up the um, calorie intake. So they both go hand in hand. So, you know, it might be a slow process for some people. So if they used to have three takeaways per week, have two takeaways, then one takeaway. You know, try and reduce the amount of, you know, high fat high sugar foods that are having. Like it isn't anything overly sort of complex we have to do here. Ultimately we need to focus on two things, their f- portion sizes and their food quality. So therefore their nutrition status improves, they're better have better energy levels throughout the day, um, they're less hungry, they have less dips in their energy levels, and they can see switched on and engaged throughout the day and ultimately better sleep and all that kind of stuff so first thing you do is just again just look at do a needs analysis so if a client will come to me i'll get them to a food diary so essentially just write down everything you eat for a three to five day period that reflects your normal eating habits and be completely honest with it um this just gives me really good understanding of yes the portion sizes but the food choices the kind of distribution throughout the day all that kind of stuff just gives me really good insight of first of all what perhaps they're doing right and where they're going wrong and obviously then, we're going to think of like minimal effective dose, like what's the low hanging fruit here? And we try and correct that first. So again, like if you say jump in, think about carbohydrate periodization, nitrate loading, all that kind of stuff, and then tanking in four takeaways a week. It's like, okay, we're not quite seeing a forge for the truth here. So we have to address that first. So I'd say for everyone, like listening, if you kind of transition out of sport and you're struggling with your food intake, literally just write stuff down because it's like 9.5 times out of 10, the people who do this for me just say to me like, oh shit, I didn't realize I was having all that kind of food because a lot of it is just an automatic habit. Like you just don't really realize you're doing it. Like you don't realize you're grabbing a muffin at work and having it. You're having those three lattes a day. Like you just don't recognize it. You, you know, it's very much a subconscious effort and most times it is impulsive. But if you stop and you have to write it down, you register it, and before you know it, you can see where you're going wrong. And you like reflect back on your few days, it's like, oh wow, well, okay, probably like 60% of my food here is shows say, high fat, high sugar kind of junk food. That's probably where I'm going wrong. And you know, you usually just answer the question yourself. Um, so that's the stuff I look to correct first. But most of the time, if they are, you know, having takeaways lost stuff, why is that so, you know, just reverse engineer that? So why are they going off track? Can they cook? Are they preparing their foods? They have the education of what they're doing. Is it their environment, their home life? They just have loads of shit in the cupboard and they come home from work stressed, tired, frustrated, and they have that to decrease stress and make them feel better. Like what's the cause of them going to eat these foods? Like what's driving that need to eat? So I look at addressing those kind of things first. And, you know, once you've got better balance in terms of healthy eating, then you can take that next level in terms of, okay, less perhaps adding in that sort of carbohydrate periodization, less think about having protein with every meal, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it could, for some people, it is just start slow and then, like I said, build habits over time. And a big thing really is like James Clear says in Atomic Habits is, um, is the environment. It's huge. Like the environment dictates your actions. And you know, as we say, like create your environment. So that environment creates you. So you know, if you got those these trigger foods in the cupboards, again, high fat, high sugar foods has a calming effect on the body. You're going to go for it all the time. And every time you sort of have that food, it just creates like a a reward, uh, for example. And your body remembers that. It's like, okay, I feel pretty calm and chilled now. The next time I'm stressed, I'm going to automatically go for these foods. So you know, just audit your environment. Just have a look what's in the house. And I try and get rid of it because um, ultimately it is self-sabotage if you have it in there and this make me fall off track all the time. I know for myself, if I had to unleash, um like foods in the house, I would most like to eat them. Like ultimately, like the reason that you buy these foods are to eat them. They're not ornaments. Like you're going to eat them at some point. So yeah. just don't fucking buy them. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, obviously, I, I, like
0: you Just as you're saying that you, you remind me is when you pulled me on this, I think it was it was about 15 months ago. Um, so if anybody doesn't know I used to have a really really bad sweet tooth like for sweet sugary snacks like the jellies as such and um Chris I remember it was about the time that I was getting ready for Switzerland uh, half ironman and you were looking at all of that and you're like Karen, your weight should be coming down most definitely I was like oh well uh, yeah dude I need to put my hand up and admit I was not sticking to the plan in the sense of I was just subconsciously snacking I was having a packet of jellies nearly every day or every two days. And the worst thing about it was I was subconsciously, I was able to justify it to say, oh, sure, I'm an endurance athlete. I burn loads of calories. I'm able to eat more. Bullshit, Kieran, you're putting on weight. And one thing I'll never, ever forget when you gave me this incredible advice because I give it to all my clients now, take that subconscious action and make it a conscious action. So you said to me, take those jellies and put them them behind the fruit bowl Because they were already, they were in the cupboard. And I was just subconsciously, again, it was a habit. It was ingrained. Under your desk. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Shut (laughs) up.
0: Fuck. Rat me out here. But you said to me, you said to me was, take those bags of jellies and put them behind the fruit bowl. So then if you're looking for them, you have to physically remove the fruit bowl out of the way. And I went, oh, wow. Uh, But all of a sudden, I just made that realization of, okay, these jellies are going in the bin. And then we just started to make progress again very quickly. But it was just, it was incredible in the sense of like, I needed to be honest about it. And you were like, Kieran, you're not losing weight. It should be coming down. I was like, uh, shit, it should be coming from somewhere. Just like you said, and James Clear says as well, look at your environment. What are you trying to do? Look at your environment. Is your environment holding you back? And just again, go back to the first point, that one step. It has an absolute like mine field of uh, goal there Um, and just what I'm going to say is I'm just going to subtly put a little bit of a a spin on this because in the current pandemic now there's a lot of people well 95% of people let's say can't get access to gyms and even in that I've seen on Amazon, eBay and all other sports worlds type places they're they're after running out of gym equipment I think yourself and myself are after noticing that as well Um, but there's a lot of people after taking to running And this is one thing I've tried to warn a couple of people about as well is once you get into running, yes, your calorie expenditure can go higher almost immediately. You're running at a, a higher physical demand. Your body's trying to dissipate more heat. It needs more calories just to burn quite simply because you're working at a higher rate. However, this is the heartbreaking reality is that everybody will now fall into the, I deserve a treat mentality. So what I'll just say is like, since people are getting into running a lot more now in the pandemic and it's a little bit warmer, what would you say to them immediately just with regards to fat loss? Oh, and I know this is very simple in the sense of you can just give me two words and you're going to answer the whole thing. But just to kind of break that mentality. So instead of just saying calorie deficit, what little bit of advice would you give them just to, to, to make sure that they're actually still able to run fuel their performance and essentially use it to drop body fat what would you what kind of advice and i know that's that's a little bit like wide as a question but what would you say yeah, i think i'll
1: i can answer that in terms of just uh, perhaps an, an anecdote i've seen over the last sort of um few weeks months actually with work with more endurance-based athletes um say for example you do a hard training session and you know after a hard session Um, you don't have much of an appetite you feel a bit sick bit nauseous and stuff like that and then that kind of persists for a little while then all of a sudden hunger just kicks in maybe like three four hours later and because they weren't hungry when they probably should have eaten um, and they haven't prepared any food and all of a sudden they're absolutely starving they're ravenous they just go to the phone order a takeaway or grab a pizza or something like that so sometimes it's the the planning side of it, that lets them down massively. Like, as you said, running does expend more calories than just like, a gym session and so on. Um, and when they just started running, they, you know the mechanics can be quite poor. They can be very inefficient at running, so they will probably burn a little bit more calories than usual too. But um, that's one of the things I do see is that um, they're just not prepared at all. They have nothing to have that they can eat or drink straight after, uh, and therefore it just carries on down the line of like, oh, I feel super depleted. I'm really tired. I'm fatigued. I just need to get something in really quickly. And like I said, they just justify that to themselves as well. It's like, I've trained hard. I haven't eaten for about five hours. So I'm going to get a five guys with extra fries and all that kind of stuff. So, you no, know, I see it so, so often where if you do something as simple as as soon as you finish, um, just to have, you know, whether it's like, um like a smoothie or like, you know, like some milk, like a yuzu or something just to start the recovery process. And that's actually going to offset the hunger spike later on in the day. Um, and therefore you can have something a little healthier, should we say, and therefore it did like calorie deficit better. Um, but again, like if you no know, prevention is always best cure, if you see that's happening and you're too tired to cook, cook before you go on the run. So you have something that's calorie controlled and, Uh, nutritionally balanced for that moment in time then so those are things so probably it's a case of uh just a planning issue um like most people will know that to drop body fat it is just a calorie deficit and if they're not dropping body fat then they're not on a calorie deficit doing calorie maintenance or if they put it on they're eating in excess so you know sometimes like if the math doesn't add up it doesn't add up if your weight's not dropping if your body fat's not dropping you're eating too many calories so then it's just looking back, right, where am I sort of tripping up here? Um, and that would be kind of one of the things, just a lack of planning, uh, especially with, like, I guess, like, the more ultra-endurance guys who are doing so maybe two, three hours, four hours even on, like, bikes or runs. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to meet the body's demands completely throughout that run, even though if they have carbohydrates on board, they're still going to have a big uh, sort of calorie deficit there. Mm-hmm. And they combine that with, uh, like, appetite suppression after and, you know, going another few hours of not eating is going to kick in your ass pretty quickly um, that, later that evening, and you're just going to tank in everything. Mm. So I've experienced that to some extent when I've done mountain biking, But uh, so I can kind of understand where you're coming from, but not to the extent where guys are doing this maybe four to five times a week. Yeah. You know? uh, and I, that's I, in totality then will, you know, it'll add up, and that's when you can slowly accumulate body fat gain.
0: Yeah. no, oh, classes like, it's just a, uh, as you're saying that it's the accumulation, the accumulation of the small little things. So if you're going for a run three or four times a week and it could even be upwards of like 10 or 15 K, but every time that you complete that run, yes, you may be temporarily burning some more calories. But if you're going into the, if you're falling into the pitfalls of not preparing, not planning your food afterwards, you're going to go for the easy option of, oh yeah, we'll call Domino's or we'll call four star and then all of a sudden, that is just gonna—it's just gonna compound. And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, well, I'm exercising loads." Well, good one, James. You're also getting takeaway four times a week on top of it. So just like you said, if you're not losing weight or if you're not dropping body fat, you're not in a calorie deficit. But it was just—I I, love the way you were just able to say, "Just plan better," and then boom, there it is. Results sorted. Oh, that's class. Um, Most of the things
1: that come from planning. Like, say for example, another anecdote when I was doing—I think it was last summer. Um, me and my pal did like a long mountain bike ride planned for about two hours ended up being maybe about four um, you know, super dehydrated like I went like hyperglycemic got back to the car park no food, no drink first thing we did threw the bikes back in the car the bikes were covered in shit but it doesn't matter like actually tanked it to McDonald's like sat in there like ordered I was probably pushed away about two and a half thousand calories so I can feel more normal and better it's like a and you burn that on the ride, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and this is the thing is just poor planning from my perspective. Um, for the ride itself, not having adequate carbohydrates or fluid, not having anything, um, after so something convenient that I can get down that's palatable, um, and also perhaps not planning the day before with some form of carbohydrate load. So I'm starting on a better. Um, fuels or carbohydrate status so I don't reach that level of depletion so you know like I'm completely susceptible to this as well but I guess yeah. I can understand why I'm fucking up I guess <laughs> <laughs> <Not> <laughs> But that's the, the thing you, you do it once and you know why and then you learn from it pretty quickly and it's yeah. like well obviously you know just tanking it to a McDonald's wasn't a very good thing <laughs> like, obviously it I felt great after <laughs> yeah ish well, while I was <laughs> eating it I felt great um, but yeah like it is just come down to planning so it's just you know just a little bit forward thinking of like what session do I have, what time am I doing it what my meals is going to be look like, looking like surrounding it, do I have to prepare my meals in advance and take with me am I doing a run and come straight back home like what's the situation with everything and once you can answer those kind of questions your planner just kind of just takes care of itself
0: cool Awesome. Perfect. Uh, dude, just with that as well, I'm going to make another little swift um, change or a swift little turn. Uh, just you were saying there, you just mentioned very briefly about carbohydrate loading. So just planning what your your events are going to be. Just like you said, the perfect example, if you knew you were going to be out in the mountain bike for four hours, it's going to be pretty intense to say the least. I'm going to take a spin on this and I'm going to talk about endurance sports. Well, I'm going to ask for your expertise. So th- this is the unfortunate, heartbreaking reality that a lot of people don't realize. If you come from sport, so like from rugby background, this is my background. And this is with so, so many of my clients as well. Is I used to play rugby, uh, fallen out of love or my season just finished, but I still want to be competitive. And then what I've noticed, a big anecdotal trend in the past couple of years, people take the triathlon and to endurance events. Because it's, it's a way of, you know, I suppose you can express yourself through another sport. And you can get passionate, you can start to get ambitious and a lot more competitive again. But this is where a lot of people really mess up is the nutrition side of things. Because they're so used to just going balls to wall for a shorter period of time. And they can get away with that. You know, there might be sufficient amounts of glycogen in their system. Maybe they can just do it and then their recovery, quote unquote, looks after itself. So they might have thought. Whereas endurance sports, just what I've found, going from field sports to endurance sports, it saps the living daylights out of you so, so much more because it's a longer game. But it's not a game. It's a way of life, by the way. <laughs> but what, what would you say to people? Now, I know that you, you've helped me and you've educated me a lot on this. But for the people that will be listening that are actually doing half Ironmans and they're doing Ironmans and they've never actually... Changed their nutrition strategy, so essentially they've been winging it and they've gotten away with it. What would be, say, two or three most vital pieces of information that you give them with regards to preparation, performance as a whole, and recovery?
1: Yeah, cool. Well, wow. this could be a massive topic. Um, yeah, we could <laughs> we could talk like three hours on this. <laughs> so. You know, I think one of the main things is, as you mentioned, this carbohydrate periodization. So we're kind of thrown this um, term loosely around. So carbohydrate periodization is simply just meeting the body's demands. We know that carbohydrates are the main fuel source that's going to drive exercise performance. And if you limit carbohydrates in your diet, you're essentially limiting your overwork capacity and your drop off both physically and mentally. So the idea is the fuel for the work required to meet the body's demands. So say, for example, you had a linear approach your calorie and carb intake throughout the week so eating the same amount of food every day so and obviously with your training program you probably can have hard days easy days medium days days off and so on so if you say uh, eat the same amount every day some days you're going to be very much overfueled and probably have too many calories in excess other days you're going to be in a big deficit uh, and therefore not meeting body demands um, not fueling not recovering not adapting properly and so on and that kind of trends throughout the week so First and foremost, like you won't be sort of maximizing your performance. So the idea is to just eat um, based on the body's demand. So if you say burn 2,000 calories one day, eat 2,000 calories. If you burn 3,000 next day, eat 3,000. If you burn 5,000, eat 5,000. So you're always trying to meet the body's demands as best as we can. And with that, um, you know, your performance and recovery is going to be very good. When we look at the recovery side of things, you've probably got too many things we need to look at. First of all, the glycogen replenishments in both the muscle and the liver. So glycogen is just your stored form of carbohydrates. So first of all, we're going to look at that. Uh, and we can only really do that with a high-carbohydrate diet So having again, enough carbohydrates after your session. But then again, uh, if you're having your total daily intake of carbohydrates, you'll naturally hit that in some way, shape or form. And then also we're going to look at the, the muscle side of it, so the muscle recovery and the muscle adaptation. And that's really a case of just having enough protein in your diet and then also say, enough protein with every meal and evenly distributing those meals throughout the day. So they're the kind of things you probably look at throughout the training week. Um, a big thing as well throughout the training week is a good opportunity to look at uh, body composition. So, you know, with body composition, with ultra-endurance athletes, uh, power-to-weight ratio comes into a massive sort of play. So, you know, if you're doing a combination of a little bit of weight training, uh, as well you know you can increase your strength and your muscle and if you're in a calorie deficit and so on you can drop body fat and that's going to basically skyrocket your power to weight ratio because essentially when you climb up the hills you are not carrying as much uh, unwanted weight run with you and that alone is going to improve your work capacity, the delay fatigue on all that kind of stuff so the training week is kind of based on really uh, it's a good opportunity to work on your body composition and second, was a good opportunity to fuel for each session accordingly and have enough carbohydrates every single day to take care of the fueling side and the glycogen replenishment side of it as well. Um, then, when we come to the competitions, or if you've got like really big sessions on the weekend, three, four hours plus, you probably need to do some form of carbohydrate load the day before. So because essentially, your starting carbohydrate status, the amount of carbohydrates you have in the muscle, is going to very much dictate how your performance is going to go. So, the idea is that we always want to start a big event under high carbohydrate availability. So, carbohydrate availability is essentially the amount of carbohydrates you have in your diet versus the amount of carbohydrates you have in the muscle. So, if you start on low carbohydrate availability, low carbs in the muscle, low carbs in the diet, you're going to quote unquote hit the wall pretty quickly. Um, so, we want to make sure we start in very, very high. And, you know, therefore, we need to have some form of carbohydrate load the day before, cause it's gonna take, um, you know, probably like next to, you know, a day, day and a half to fully replenish your glycogen stores. Um, so we need to be very proactive with this. It isn't a case of waking up, oh, I've got four hours today, let's have some oats for breakfast. It's like, okay, let's be proactive, let's get the day before and let's be, think about the carbohydrate intake throughout the day, cause you will actually need a fair bit uh, on board. And your carbohydrate load is very dependent on a few things. Um, your starting carbohydrate status of that carb load. So, if you've been in a calorie deficit throughout the week and uh, you've under eaten carbohydrates, we can assume that your carb, starting carb status is going to be low. So, therefore, you can need enough carbohydrates in that day to fully replenish your stores for the next day. Where, likewise, if you've had a lot of carbohydrates throughout the week, it's been a chill training week, your starting carb status can be quite high and therefore you don't need as much of a carbohydrate load. So, that'd be one thing. Um, just to throw some numbers out there, around six to eight grams per kilogram body rate of carbs is about right uh, in that sense. So you can kind of do the math. So if you were 80 kilos times that by six to eight, and that might give you a good range from a carb perspective if you're starting in a depleted state. Um, and also a big thing as well is, you know, what's the duration of that event the next day? You know, if you're doing an hour on the bike or an hour run, you don't need to carbide load. You can have enough carbide in the muscle um, to... And do your performance that way, uh, but if you're doing three to four hours, quite a long one, um, you know your carbide resource will slowly decline throughout, and you will end up with the tank pretty empty by the end. So you need to have a carbide load the day before, um, and with that as well, like obviously you won't be able to meet the body's demands completely uh, in that day. So, say for example, if you're taking a maximum of perhaps ninety grams of carbide rest on board uh, per hour, you know that's three hundred sixty calories. And you're probably burning upwards of maybe five six hundred you're going to be in a slight deficit there okay uh so although we want to meet the body's demands we won't meet be able to meet them entirely so one pe- one thing but people may think is right if i'm doing a carbohydrate load surely i'm just eating in excess and i'm going to put body fat on yes potentially but the next day you're naturally going to be in a calorie deficit because if you're pushing maybe three thousand calories on a really big sort ride or something you're not going to be able to eat all that food back. So over the course of forty eight hours, it'll kind of just average itself out, and um, that's that's absolutely fine. So your energy availability over the forty eight hours is still pretty good. Did um, th- that kind of cover a bit? I can go into the uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think we
0: can go into like an extreme amount of detail. The, <laughs> I love this so much when you were explaining this to me over a year ago. I was like, I've heard of the carb load before, uh, especially when we were doing it in college. But like the the idea that we were given because we were actually painted the image was just a load of students just with a massive pot of pasta, just get it into it the day before a competition or the day before a big game. So it was always seen as an excuse to quite simply just be a complete glutton fool and eat everything. And that was one thing that I'd done before I was getting ready for a half marathon a few years ago. And I was saying to myself, Oh, I'm going to have to uh, carbohydrate load. I was just like a pig in shit. I was eating everything. I thought it was like, yeah, calories don't count there's no such thing as any rules anymore i can eat whatever but no um just like you were saying yes you may potentially push yourself into a a calorie surplus yes there may be a little bit of fat gain however throughout the course of you enduring that event you're going to be kind of pushing yourself into a deficit and all you're trying to do is just keep up those energy demands as best as possible which you just said you cannot physically match those especially during competition well I think you really, really expressed the importance of carbohydrates there. But one other big absolute keystone a cornerstone thing for me was the beetroot juice and the nitrates. So just for anybody listening now, they're getting into endurance force, and they've probably come across all these different supplements by loads of different companies. and You need to have this. Uh, you need to have that. It's going to be the biggest thing that will make a difference. I can testify for this. Beetroot juice has been an absolute game changer for me. Can you give a brief run-through what is the crack with the beetroot juice and how, in the name of God, does it help with endurance sports?
1: Yeah, cool. Um, what, one small point to finish off the carbohydrate load. Yeah. Uh, one area that I see people go wrong with is, like you kind of mentioned, just tanking loads of food. And they're not necessarily carbohydrate loading, they're calorie loading, perhaps. So that sort of um, you know, chicken and pasta or something like that turns into a lasagna with extra cheese on top and all of a sudden it got upwards of a thousand calories worth of the fat. So it's not like a, you know, it isn't just like an excuse to eat everything because if you do that, and it really is calories in excess, like a huge amount, and you do this week in, week out over the course of the year, over the course of a few years, body fat will slowly start uh, to increase. So that's the first thing I look at. Um, so if you, when I do sort of carb loads, uh, they're actually very lean. and actually The fat intake is actually pretty low with it, um, but the carb intake is obviously high. So that's one area that I see people go wrong. Uh, in terms of the nitrate, um, yeah, so nitrate. Um, so when we look at, say, the beetroot, um, as we know, it is very earth-tasting and it is fucking putrid. Um, <laughs> it is very high in nitrates. So essentially, once you consume nitrates, it gets converted to nitrite and nitric oxide. And then once nitric oxide levels in the blood increase, dilated blood vessels so think of your blood vessels and they're essentially increase in diameter once they do that more blood and therefore more oxygen can be delivered to the working muscles and it makes them somewhat uh, fatigue resistance and this has been shown to work very well under sort of anaerobic conditions where there is an absence of uh, oxygen perhaps essentially it can delay uh, that you know so sort of anaerobic threshold should we say so What we try and do is have uh, beetroot juice the day before uh, and before the event itself to essentially increase the nitrate content of our diet. And therefore, again, just dilate uh, your blood vessels and therefore more oxygen, more blood can be supplied there. The reason why we look at beetroot is just because it's very rich in nitrates. Other things like leafy green veg are high in nitrates, but you're just gonna have to have a loss of it and it's not overly convenient. So when you look at the research, there's a few ways to take it. You can take it 2.5 to 3 hours before an event, which I'd recommend. Um, so you can acutely load it. You can take it the day before, like a 30-hour nitrate load. Or you could take it in the week leading up to events, like live every day. So a few different ways to do it. But I would say an absolute one is 2.5 to 3 hours before. And we need to take it that time before just because it takes about 2.5 to 3 hours for it to get converted from. Nitrate, nitrite, and nitric oxide. You know, when I speak to when I use this for like rugby players and stuff, um, if they've used this, say, just before they went on uh, and they don't see an effect, it's very much causes actually kicking in on the way home on the bus, yeah. you know, because um, they kind of just missed that opportunity. So the timing of that is actually really important. And so, what you might look to do is um, the day before, have say a, beach, a glass of beetroot juice for breakfast, have another one for even a meal. Um, maybe between three to 500 mil or something. You can chop up some beets, throw it in like a spaghetti bolognese or something like that. As long as you're having some form of beetroot-based products, that's really good. Um, and then on uh, you know, race day itself, I'd actually looked at the beetroot shot just because it's very concentrated. And one of those centimile shots is probably equivalent of a 500 mil bottle of beetroot juice as well. Mm. So that's why it is pretty rank. Yeah. Um, but we know that it's gonna be very beneficial for athletic performance um, for sure sweet so awesome. that's, that's why that's why i take it
0: right I, I can most definitely again testify for the putrid earthy taste from it at the start and I hate to be the one to admit this but it's kind of after growing on me like I wouldn't ever drink it for pleasure ever like it's not the same as drinking a can of Coke Zero or anything not at all but I don't mind it anymore it's like oh it's beetroot time okay have a glass like it, it doesn't phase me anymore but it it Mm -hmm. was absolutely uh, just horrific Mm -hmm. at the very start. So uh, I think there's definitely like a a serious amount of value going into those last two points there, Chris, as to how to prep and how to fuel for endurance sports and events. Um, Just very quickly, this is going to be like the, the second last question. Like where would you go with regards to recovery strategies for the newborn endurance athlete? And when I'm saying this, I mean somebody that over the past 12 to 18 months has just decided, right, I'm getting into this endurance sport and I'm going to go for a big. So we basically, from everything that you just said, you talked about the preparation um, with regards to the carbohydrate loading and the beetroot uh, juice as well. Like where would we go with regards to recovery strategies for somebody that has not done much with recovery? So what would you say to them on how to rebound very quickly out of that fatigue depleted state after a half Ironman or, uh, or a 50 mile run or something big
1: yeah without going into too much detail with it because again we can't go into a bit of a rabbit hole with this um when we look at recovery strategies you know always like the three hours of recovery we prepare replenish rehydrate so we need to have adequate fluid carbohydrates and um protein on board so they're probably the main things we need straight after some form of depleting event um the amount of protein you have is going to be pretty much fixed at about sort of perhaps 30 to 40 grams, somewhere around there, about 0.4 gram per kilo. Um, And then the amount of fluid and carbohydrates you have is very much dependent on the intensity and level of depletion, should we say, that the event was. So if, for example, you become very dehydrated dehydrated in that event, your fluid requirements are obviously going to increase because sweat rates uh, have been very high. If it's been very long and very intense, then you probably need to have extra carbohydrates because you know that your carbohydrates require some very much to on the duration of an event and the intensity. So greater in- intensity or greater the endurance, uh, so the duration, uh, the more carbohydrates you're gonna need. And so um, easiest sort of way to look at this is from a practical perspective, what kind of food product has all those three things like protein, carbs and fluid and electrolytes Easiest one and probably the most palatable one for many is milk. Like I'm a big advocate of um, milk straight after like Yuzu and stuff. They taste great and they can start the recovery process. Like the recovery process is very much biphasic in nature, which means it has two parts. You have um, first part, which is maybe three to four hours in duration where you have heightened rates of glycogen replenishment. And then the second part kind of just drops off by about 50%. So we wanna try and get as much carbohydrates uh, in this phase, as possible, and you're looking about one to 1.2 grams per kilogram of your body weight every hour during this three to first three to four hours. So, if you are um, 80 kilos, that's 120 grams of carbohydrates as soon as you finish hour one, hour two, hour three post. Um, granted, that's a lot of carbohydrates, but that's the mod that's a model to maximize glycogen replenishment. And if you do, if you, if you've done like an ultra or something like that you would need that. Um, but if you've done a 10K is like you definitely don't need that. Like you're not going to be depleted in our state to the slightest. So we almost like work off like the optimal model of replenishment. Uh, and then just like um, should we say adjust those requirements downwards based on what the the demand of that event actually was. Um, and same with like the hydration side of things. If you've lost a lot of fluid, um then yeah you need to start rehydrating after because that can have an accumulation effect throughout the week. We know that athletes are very poor drinking a thirst and they really, really um on average uh rehydrate by 70% of the fluid they've lost, where in fact for optimal rehydration they need to be drinking by 150% of the fluid they've lost. So say for example for easy-ish maths say you um waste up before and after a session and you lost two kilos of weight through that session via sweat loss, you would need to consume about three liters uh, over the few hours after. So it times by 1.5. So you wouldn't have this all at once because you most likely won't be able to retain it all. Uh, But what you're trying to do is just try and drip feed it over those few hours. Um, If you don't know what your pre and post weight is from an event or a training session, just go like, um, I'd just say like 500 mil on average per hour. Should do it. Should do the trick. Um, you can add electrolytes into it, but if you're having food uh, as well, you should theoretically get enough electrolytes through the salts and stuff in your foods. So you probably don't need to do it unless you have excessive dehydration. Um, yeah. So the only time where I would suggest uh, avoid drinking water only is if you are you know super hot, you're super dehydrated, um you've lost a lot of um, sodium via sweat and you just neck loads of water because what you do then is further dilute your blood sodium levels and you can go in the hypernitremic so low uh, blood sodium levels and you see these horror stories of people dying essentially yeah. um so obviously that's extreme cases but that's the case of super dehydration loads of sodium losses and then neck whatever two three four liters whatever ends up being i don't actually know the exact amounts but is that kind of way of thinking we don't that but if you have an um, say some electrolytes with some water, with some food, you're naturally going to first of all slow down water absorption and you're going to be able to better retain onto that as well. Um, so that'd be a better for the overall rehydration strategy. Wow. <laughs> I think
0: that was uh, fair to say that was most definitely a, a mouthful. It was one way to describe it, but also like just, just so many little knowledge bombs as well in the middle of it all. Um, that was actually one thing I was doing uh, a testing day last week with one of my clients and he's getting ready for an ultra marathon and that was one of the biggest things that we needed to look at and i remember speaking with yourself just to go over the fine, uh, the finely tuned bits and uh, that was one big thing that you said was the weather was expected to be very hot to which it was he started at 6 a.m he was running 60 kilometers so six zero and he got it done in just under six hours which is incredible but the big thing that you warned me of with him and his preparation was make sure that he's rehydrating not just getting in water and I thought yeah well obviously but then you you kind of scared me when you said no hyponitremia quite simply equals death wow okay and then I remember then obviously from the program a couple of months ago that was that is basically it. if you're flooding the body with just water you're increasing the likelihood of basically dying as you just described It's kind of scary, but it's actually it's really intense. It is most definitely something to look out for, especially as people, again, coming from the sporting background, they've found um, a love and a passion again for endurance sports, and then all of a sudden it's like, right, I want to push the next level. And you know, your mentality and your mindset can only get you so far until you're actually physically destroying yourself. So if you're not looking after the three R's as you just said, then you know your your ability to bounce back event after event is probably going to decline if you're not looking after your body. So no doubt with all those big strategies that you just said, I think that is hugely implementable for everybody that's going to be listening to this. Just stop, pause it if you have to, write down all the notes, and then go implement it. Because I think that's one of the things as well that you've seen as well over the past couple of years, Chris, is like, uh, because you reminded me of this, uh, it's like knowledge means absolute fuck all unless you're implementing it. And that's why you have such a high level of success rate right? is because like, you can say to your clients, to your athletes, and say, hey, you need to do this because they can understand it. They want to go to the next level. So it's the case of plug and play. Whereas for somebody that was kind of, I suppose, lost in that little conundrum of what do I do? Like they just need to take the steps and then all of a sudden they get momentum, they build it again, and then they're a fully fledged endurance athlete. And now they need to bring back the, the extra percent as well, which is exactly what you've just gone through. You know, the recovery strategies, the preparation, uh, the intra endurance event, um, fueling strategies. Um, so dude, I am, I'm, I'm absolutely blown away as always uh, with the amount of knowledge that you throw. And no doubt everybody that's listening as well has gotten a shitload of stuff from it. And um, so I'm just going to ask you one last question. Uh, what would you say to somebody right now who is currently struggling with trying to get their nutrition back on track? So, Just to give a little bit more context, they know what it's like to go full bro in the gym. When the gym opens, they get random bouts of motivation and say, I'm going to go for a 10K, a 15K, a 20K. As much as they're doing that, they're rebounding in the sense that they're still ordering takeaway. They're still eating shit food. But they want to get themselves back aesthetically, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of the above. But their nutrition is shit. What would you say to them? I know what I would say to them. It's just contact Chris Lowe. But what would you say to them right now if they're listening? They want to get the old end back. They know that their nutrition is massively letting them down. What would you say to them? What to do?
1: Yeah, I think like when it comes to like the motivation side of it, it's quite interesting because, for example, you can sort of get motivated for a 30 to 60 minute gym session. Like you can like hype yourself up for that. But this nutrition thing, as cliche as it sounds, you know, it is a lifestyle change and there's so many things that goes into it um and motivation alone doesn't really cut it so you do need the right systems in place you need the right environment you need the right support the right education the right tools and realistically you're only really going to get that properly from a coach from someone who knows what they're doing um so yeah like i think from the role of a coach like you know we can just step back take a zoom out look at things objectively um you know again doing needs analysis like what's working in your life right now what's not what are your low-hanging fruit this like right, what we need to fix first to get you moved in the right direction um so you know this is very much like person dependent like everybody has different struggles different needs and stuff like you kind of just meet them at their level like ask them like what you're challenging with the most um do a food diary and then we can have a look to see what we actually need to fix um like the big sort of six KPIs uh, I go off in terms of whether plan is working or not is your performance, both physically and mentally, your recovery. So not only how you feel later that day between sessions, uh, but how you feel the next day. Um, What's your body composition doing? So are you gaining, maintaining, losing weight? Is that in line with your goals? How's your hunger and cravings, your overall food focus and your desire to eat? Um, How's your daily energy and fatigue levels? So how do you feel outside of training? And then what's the overall enjoyability? Like, you know, are you actually enjoying the process? Because if you're not, then it's probably not going to be very sustainable. And this is where these kind of like um, yo-yo dieting cycles, you know, come into play. Like ultimately, like if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're just not going to do it for very long. So they're the kind of things that I'd be looking at to see, like on a scale of 1 to 10, where do you sort of lie in that? If you're scoring 10s out of 10s, like you're either absolutely flying with life and you're absolutely killing it. Or you're bullshitting yourself, but realistically, like if you're like under five under a five or six out of ten and most of those things, then yeah, you probably need to reach out and ask for help because there's a lot of things we can do. And I always say like for every issue there's an intervention. So all you have to do is like kind of just reach out and say, like, like I'm now probably a little bit more aware of the things that should be sort of focusing on and the areas where I'm perhaps, you know, coming short, you know, so six areas, can I have help? You know, you just have to take the first step and reach out and ask, really. Um, you know, like all the, as many coaches would say, like all the information outline uh is online. Like just go and look at my Instagram feed. Like it got about, you know, pretty much posting every other day about mm-hmm. something nutrition related for the last five years. You'll pick something out there for you to do. Um, so you can also go at it that way. But if you want to accelerate your results and, you know, cut all these sort of, um kind of just the time wasting or trying to figure out yourself um then yeah coach is gonna be super important
0: yeah that is absolutely incredible just straight black and white advice what to do reach out to somebody that knows exactly what to do somebody that has been there you know stood the test of time and you know they've, they've gotten the results and they can stand over their work i remember a bricklayer saying to me a couple of years ago one thing that he always wanted to do it wasn't just your stereotypical bricklayers, like, um, oh, what's the, the profession is like, um, a, you know, they, oh my God, a stonemason, that's it. Uh, what he said to me was, he said, why he takes so much pride in his work? Because my views were just, actually, you're just laying bricks. He said, no, if, now that wasn't me being smart or anything, but he said to me, you want to confidently be able to stand over your work with the result, regardless of how good or how bad it is. And you want to take responsibility for it. So then when you get to the point that you might have made mistakes, you might have made your mess-ups, but you know what works and you know what doesn't. So then you can confidently stand over it and say, yes, I made this happen. And that, that's something that I, I do and I don't take a lot of pride in with all of my clients is I say, yes, I'm very happy, I'm very grateful that I got to be a part of the whole thing. But dude, I, I can see with every single thing that you turn over, not just with regards to the the, the high level and caliber of athletes that come in, but the way that they are after a couple of weeks and months, like it's just absolutely wow is how I would describe it. But I think it is something that people need to understand is that it's so incredibly frustrating trying to do it yourself. And there's a quote as well. I was told a couple of years ago, and I know for a fact that you you know this as well, how can you expect to fix your current problems with the same level of thinking that created them? So yes, education knowledge it's out there it's freely available go on to google go on to instagram and facebook like you can find all of these things but how can you get the right plan that's going to fit you and your lifestyle your attitudes your habits all of the above um so again dude like thank you so so much for that but it's just something that i think that i can uh, i can really vouch for is the amount of thought and uh, thought knowledge preparation and even even love that you put into all of your programming uh, for nutrition to bring somebody just to that next level that they haven't gotten before so guys if you're listening i think it's fair to say over the past like 40 or 50 minutes or so uh no doubt you've gotten a shitload of information right now of chris so if you're looking to really look to level up to get yourself back on the nutrition front there's no other option quite simply so again chris like thank you so so much for recording this right now on a thursday evening And it was like quarter to eight. I think it's now nearly quarter to nine. So we're here about 60 minutes. So, dude, thank you so, so much. And I'm going to ask you, just leave on a, not that you weren't going to leave on a good note, but for all the people that are going to be listening right now, where can they reach out to you? Where can they find you? Because I think it's safe to say they're going to want to reach out right now with the amount of value that you've just given. Uh, So where can they find you?
1: Um, first of all, like thanks for having me on tonight, really enjoyed the conversation, it is really good, um, and hope everyone took a uh, lot of information and value away from it. The uh, best place to get hold of me is Instagram, so at Crystal Nutrition, I'm pretty active on there, and if you go to like, my bio, you can find out all my coaching programs, uh link to my podcast, my articles, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, head over to the Instagram and uh, slide into my DMs and let chat. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome, awesome. (laughs) Guys, so
0: you heard that. Uh, You know exactly where to go. If you're looking to take the next step, if you're looking to truly level up and you know that you've been lacking on the nutrition front, you still have the bull in the china shop mentality with regards to training, but you know your nutrition is letting you down, reach out. You know the help is there, stood the test of times, trialed and tested. And yeah, I think his results really do speak for themselves. So if you're looking, you know where to go. So Chris, thank you so, so much. Again, dude, really appreciate you giving up your time and uh without further ado i will let you be to get back to enjoy your evening and no doubt there's probably going to be a couple of people reach out to try and get some more information from you so dude thank you so much and i'll catch you soon